Hey there, mighty men. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Paschkowski, founder of Men Made For More Coaching. Our business helps husbands level up their life, their leadership, and their legacy in marriage and in business. The purpose of this podcast is to bring together like-minded men that feel destined for big things in their life, provide you the resources and community that you need to lead yourself, your family, and your business. If you've ever felt overwhelmed, frustrated, lost, or alone on your journey to a better and more purposeful life, you're in the right spot. You weren't designed to be average, so it's time to quit living that way. Today, I'm giving you permission to unlock your true potential and step into all that you were made for. All right, guys, welcome to the Men Made for More podcast. Join with a special guest today, Jeff Arnold. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on today. Dave, thanks so much for having me. I, I, I'm super excited to do the show with you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited for, uh, for listeners to hear more about, about your story, what you're up to, a couple of the, uh, the books you've put out, and just going to be a lot of good, good content coming your, coming your guys' way today. So why don't you uh, kind of give a you know, Cliff Notes version of, of your background with, with business specifically and some of the, the books you've written and, and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. Thanks for the, uh, the intro there. So uh, written three books. I've uh, been, been fortunate enough for two of them to be bestsellers on Amazon. The third one is yet to be seen, but fingers crossed. Um, but it was a circuitous route that led to being an author and uh, even, even in business. I, uh, um, I'll i do the cliff notes. So uh, briefly, because I am an aged man, but uh, we'll, we'll try to start it. Uh, I grew up in Western Kentucky, right? So really, really small towns in Western Kentucky. Four generations of my family were uh, uh, men of the cloth or preachers, as you would call them. I'm the first one in five generations not to, and they... Still don't understand why I write or get paid by the written word or uh, am so involved in uh, legal contracts of an insurance. So that's that's OK. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, just to summarize, you know, but uh, uh, of the, the Cliff Notes version there, I've uh, been in the insurance business, really buying and selling insurance agencies and companies, a couple of insurance companies uh, for 31 years. Um, made any dreams that I've had uh, for me and my family really come true. And so uh, I think if you're passionate about anything, uh, you can turn anything into a wonderful business. And it's been wonderful for me and wonderful for my family. Uh, I'm not trying to brag to your listeners, but just saying, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's provided us a very nice life. Yeah. And I, I love that, uh, that you're here to speak on that too, because a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people either running a business already, or a lot of people even too have feedback of the people that are want to start that business. They have this passion, but they don't really know how to, you know, how to maybe get started with it or, or if they can actually earn a living doing what they want to do. It's, it's a scary jump for someone to leave something secure or what, or what's seen as secure and, and step into that. How, what, what would you recommend to someone who's, you know, has that, has that passion? To, what's, what's that spark that's needed to, to help them take that step, to have the confidence to do that and uh, the resources as well. What, what, what advice would you give to someone like that? Yeah. Well, first of all, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. Right. It's what sets the, the weak apart from the strong, right? It is not an easy week. It is not a week, a journey for the week, right? It really isn't. Because you, uh, in the entrepreneurial space, every skill set you have is going to be tested. Every leadership understanding you have is going to get turned up on its head, right? And uh, anything that you study about it could be obsolete in a year or two, right? So uh, that being said, not to be pessimistic, but if you're looking for something to challenge you every day that you wake up before your feet hit the ground, you're going to renew yourself in some skill set. Yeah, 
right? Starting your own business is the the thing to do. Um, There's a a quote, I'm going to mess it up, but it's uh, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn, right? I may have paraphrased it, but the moment that people see that passion and that energy into you, no matter what you're doing, they'll, they'll beat a path to your door. Maybe not be as fast as you want it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. But if anybody that has a passion like you or I or anyone listening, any of your listeners, um, the, the world will find you and they will reward you for sure. So mm-hmm. I would say the short version is the old Nike ad, just do it. Just do it, man. Right. Get out there and do it. So. <laughs> It really is. Yeah. And there's no, there's never going to be, you know, that perfect time. People, people wait for things to be just right. And that's one of the the things that keeps so many people from, from doing it. Like you said, it's not, it's not easy. There's never going to be a, a comfortable time to do it, but that's the importance I think of linking up something you're passionate about and something you can make money about money with uh, is, is key to that of not just chasing, chasing the money. Cause that's going to, it's going to make for a difficult journey. And if you run into some of that with either yourself or friends or people you've worked with of people, chasing the money what happens when when money becomes the focus and there's not that that passion tied along with it yeah so you know anything as shallow as just going after things or money uh will get old real quick there's never enough right i think uh most people relate to that too one house you want two two houses you want three three houses you want all of them bigger and so if stuff uh is just what you're after and putting more of that into your life then i would just counsel you that you may need to rethink what's going on between your ears, right? Mm-hmm. Something is off, right? You're, you're, you're trying to fix something else, right? So step back. So that's just my guidance as a, as an old man, we'll call it, but wise <laughs> but man, an experienced person, right? Yeah. Uh, you would be a party of one that's called be a wise man. I might take that and show my kids this, but, <laughs> but, but you know, the, the, the thing, Dave, is we, the thing about entrepreneurs, and, and, and you know this, you have to motivate yourself too, right? If you can't motivate yourself, um, then, then this it's not a career for you because uh, people are not standing behind cheerleading. Uh, you're going to make very difficult decisions that are going to be in disagreements and at odds with people above you, below you, beside you, vendors, partners. And you got to stand strong in that. You have to have a c- c- conviction. And so it's not an easy path again. It's, and it's, uh, it is mostly uphill, pushing mm-hmm. the rock but very well worth it. <laughs> yes. So true. And it's, it's a, you know, for people that have, have been on that roller coaster, we'll call it is a, it's, it's the ultimate, ultimate personal growth journey though. Of if you're trying to improve your, your leadership, if you're trying to improve your, you see what you're capable of doing in this life, it's, I mean, it's one of the best ways to do it. Cause it's going to, it's going to challenge you. It's going to stretch you. It's going to force you into things that you wouldn't normally do and out of your comfort zone, which is where so much, so much good, good growth happens. So I, I love, I love how you summarize some of that in, in total agreement with that. And for the, uh, for the people that are on that, that journey now, that roller coaster and, you know, whatever people at different stages of business, I want to hear a little more about, uh, you know, your, your thoughts on, on customer experience as, as we were talking a little before of something that's missing so much in, in so many businesses, kind of a, a lost art, if you will, what's, uh, you know, can you give me a you know, a summary of, of your, your new book that you wrote specifically on this and how and why customer experience is, is so important for anyone in any kind of business? Yeah, I think. And you don't have to go too far to see uh, abysmal, uh, pathetic, uh, horrible customer experiences. Right. Sorry for those uh, explanations or adjectives, what have you. It's um, it's a pandemic. We're in a pandemic and it's a pandemic. Mm, right? yes. uh, and it's a systemic issue. Um, 
mostly in a lot of larger companies, but it exists in small companies too, right? Um, and, and by the way, nobody sets out to deliver a bad customer service experience because if you ask everyone, hey, what kind of good customer service do you give? They say, I deliver a great customer service experience, right? And so what we as business leaders and executives fail to do uh, so many times is to tell them exactly what a good customer experience looks like. And I'll just, I'll, I'll go real deep down a rabbit hole, rabbit hole if I can with you for, for, for your listeners for a second. And so, um, you know, we have 50 to 70 people at any time in one of our call centers. And so if you ask all of them what their service experience was, it would be, oh, it's, we do negative tens to plus tens. Plus 10 is the best you can get. Oh, it's all plus tens. Well, they no longer get to decide what a plus 10 is. And so again, I'm going to go deep into rabbit hole, but a plus 10 experience in our business, you can retrofit it to yours and your listeners to theirs, is a uh, no call is warm, is no is cold transferred to anyone. Like, so we're in the insurance space, right? You don't just transfer a call to claims. That's a miserable experience, right? Mm-hmm. People want to be helped. They're, they're most vulnerable. That's the point of the promise. So you warm transfer to there. There are absolutely no voicemails. Uh, an insurance operation without voicemails is a fantastic insurance operation. No one can hide, right? Mm-hmm. And so we eliminate that. Uh, we eliminate the people hiding. You just take care of them. So warm transfers. Um, um, no voicemails, right? Those are fantastic. And then just a, a simple salutation that recognizes the user, right? For the a number of times they've been a customer of yours or a policyholder or whatever. It's about five separate benchmarks that we use. But now let's just pivot for a second and go through a drive-through experience. Let's just take your favorite um, that you go through and it's some, you know, it could just be a kid going through school all they're really about is the Benjamins clocking in and clocking out and getting the dollars, right? Uh, I'm trying to sound cool to the younger group. Saying the Benjamins, <laughs> <Love> it make them off horribly wrong. But anyway, <laughs> um, now you compare and contrast that with someone who's had a deep level of knowledge transfer happen, say at a Chick-fil-A where no one takes an order until they get this phrase right. It's my pleasure to serve you, Dave, right? You, I mean, you, mm-hmm. you go through and you experience that. And they go through a series of trainings that's just four or five of those to transform the customer experience. And so my new book is, is about building better businesses. And it's really, you can boil it down to uh, get out of your office, get out of your corner office and get engaged in every section of your company that your clients are experiencing with your people, right? And there's pain points all along the way. Uh, and your people may need to change their script or they may need to change or you may need to change your people but that matters, right? It absolutely matters because we will tell 10 people if we have a bad experience. Uh, we'll only tell one or two if we have a good experience, right? Uh, but we'll shout it from the rooftops also if we have a great experience. And, and nowadays with social media, you can really shout with a large megaphone. So uh, mm-hmm. I could go deeper into all those things, but there's a, there's a quick summary about how we just transform the cultures of what's done in our business and how it's done, right? Mm-hmm. It's not done by a mission statement on the wall. It's done by the interaction with every single customer walking in your door or visiting your website. And it sounds, and I, I got a lot of good points I want to follow up on, but it sounds like uh, one of the big mistakes for, for leaders would be being too far removed from that process. So maybe they have a mission statement up, but how, how important is it for the leader to be in in the day-to-day of, of the business to really see those things versus delegating out to, to customer service or to, to other employees? 
Yeah, be, be involved. And I know it's tough. Look, the bigger your business gets, the more you're in the numbers and you're, the more you're in the projections and the more you're, you're trying to make payroll or get you know cars on the road or whatever, right? And you just, the, the amount of activities you have grows exponentially, right? The bigger you get. I get that. But I also live by a, a, another statement that says it's better for your desk to be dusty than your troops to be rusty, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, make sure you're always sharpening the saw and engaging your people. Uh, I, I try to get out two times a month, uh, completely away from the office, not so much in pandemic, and just on the front lines, listening to people and catching a couple things. One, catching them doing some stuff really, really good, right? For that that moment of, oh, great, you, you really got this right. And finding a teachable moment. Right. Again, it doesn't have to be where you destroy the person. Um, You just find a way where they're not doing it exactly the way you want. And you correct the behavior without destroying the person by using, you know, skills that you develop along the way. But mostly tell them what they did right. Tell them where they're wrong and where you want them to be. And that goes a long way. Every generation wants improvement and they want to improve themselves and their skill set, young to old. Right. The problem is there's so few coaches willing to give that radical candor feedback, right? Mm. They want to they hide behind the either the title and just it's this way or they just don't have the skill set to give that feedback. People crave it, man. They absolutely do. They, they crave the good and the bad. They want to do the right thing and they're not afraid to hear the bad. You just have to deliver it correctly. Mm-hmm. Would you say you mentioned a couple of things there. You mentioned maybe not having the skill set or hiding behind a title is is one of those seem to, you know, in your experience seem to stand out more? Is it, is it an ego thing or pride thing of like, I'm, I'm above this, or do you see it more as just, it's, it's uncomfortable to work with people and to, you know, really uh-huh. like it, it take it, relationships, take effort. And uh, that's with our employees, with our customers, with those things too. Sometimes it's easier to acquire and then just move on. Do, do you see uh-huh. one of those being, being more of an issue than the other? I think they're both relative, right? Like some people, it's a personality trait. They, um, uh, they just avoid confrontation or avoid the, the teachable moments, right? And some people are more comfortable hiding behind a keyboard or hiding behind a phone delivering counsel message. Um, I've been both of those people in my career, so I'm not saying that I'm above or below. It's Again, it's stuff you learn along the way. And if you're one of those that's trying to change behavior behind a keyboard, let us challenge you here, right? Push the keyboard aside. Go try it face-to-face. You might sweat profusely and your heart might pound but you'll get over it. Right. Um, and so I got some really good advice too, um, many, many years ago from, um, from, from someone who said, look, when you go to these difficult conversations, what you're all going to have, if it's with your spouse, if it's with, uh, you know, which is the most difficult because, uh, (laughs) you gotta be really careful. (laughs) You don't want to win at all costs. (laughs) Well, I work, I work with my spouse. So we, uh, that's a, that's a double-edged sword sometimes. (laughs) Got to tread lightly. Let's, let's turn the page and not even have this conversation. Yeah, right. no, no, but, you know, so the advice that, um, uh, well, you've probably heard him. If you haven't bought his book, I highly recommend Michael Gerber's uh, The E-Myth, Why Most Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It. I had the good fortune to sit at Michael Gerber's sheet uh, for three years, every Thursday. Him and his, uh, his group of mentors to me in my, in my um, uh, late 20s, early 30s. At any rate, the counsel I got that I keep with me this day is, when you go into those difficult conversations, sometimes you just need to see yourself slip into a Batman suit, a Superman suit, a special forces warrior suit. And that's how you get the courage to go into those. Because for everyone, it's not easy, right? The early 
there are very few people who are born just really just want to be so combative. Most of us, we just want to work it out. And some people need to envision. So uh, just challenge you again, your, your listeners, you may have to see yourself slip into a different suit to go through that and come mm-hmm. back out of it. And the more you do it, the easier it gets like anything. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good point. Good point. Good uh, you know, reminder for for myself as well because it's uh, you know there's there's a lot of uh, I, I don't like confrontation. I don't think a lot of us do. Like you said, there's some people that do, but it's we don't want to hurt feelings. We don't want to say something that what if we push them away? What if we do this? But by not saying those things, by not having those conversations, they uh, employees, friends, spouses can get the interpretation that you're not interested or not invested or not not doing those things too. So the the thing we want to avoid of pushing people away can actually be uh, amplified because, because of the lack of, of one-on-one attention or feedback or those things that people are, are so much craving. Yep. Yeah. There's a, another, it's, it's a very valid point. And, and the folks sometimes as I have in my career, you got the, uh, you received the label of just being weak need or spineless because you just, Hey, you're busy. You want to move on. Right. And then so that there are many times where you, you have to, and I have to say it several times a year, do not mistake my kindness, right, for weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Because I will slip into that suit and we will correct this the hard way. Um, I'm being kind to, to allow you to come into the space. And every once in a while, you have to do that. It's not a game, right? But every once in a while, you have to remind them, uh, my kindness is not a weakness. My kindness is for you to get on this journey with me and us to go, but I will slip into this suit. Right. And, and we can play hardball right? <laughs> because mm. that's what happens when when we 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 try to be nice, but we enjoy uh, avoid conflict at all costs. Right. And by the way, for young managers, um, there's two types of management styles. One is conflict and one is tension. Right. Tension is very, very valuable. Conflict just destroys cultures. Right. So ratcheting up the tension a little bit and challenging your your staff or your people or even your children. Right. (laughs) To not forget to take out the garbage water. That tension is okay. Conflict is demoralizing. Right. And so uh, just to know that there's ladders to that, it's, it's kind of important. I got off on a tangent there, Dave, but I, I'm passionate about this stuff. Good, no, good tangent. And speaking of, uh, you know, along, along that same tangent, speaking of, uh, you know, culture and having that, that environment where, where feedback is welcome and where, uh, you know, a, a healthy way to, to challenge each other, both challenge your employees, but if you're a boss, like be able to welcome challenging as well, where there's some people that might like to give feedback, but don't receive feedback so well. And what advice would you have for creating a culture that, Kind of welcomes in that that vulnerability, that ability to have people speak up, ability for people to to fail and not feel like they're gonna like like their jobs on the line every time they they slip up and what they say or what they do. Yeah, so as a as a leader, you you have a a, a couple different hats you need to wear here, right? So one is um, not everyone's comfortable doing that. No matter how. Thanks for listening today, guys. I'm believing that even if you apply one thing from today's show you're taking one step closer to living as the man you were made to be. Meaningful change doesn't happen overnight. So keep showing up and keep consistent every single day until good things start to happen. If you haven't already, taking 60 seconds to write a review on whatever platform you're listening on goes a long way in growing this podcast and reaching other men just like you that are hungry for more in their life. If you have any questions on today's show, feedback or content you wanna see more of, shoot me a text. Yep, text me. 760-477-4361. That's 760-477-4361. 
let me know that you're listening in so I can personally thank you for your support of myself and the show. That's it for today, guys. It's time to raise your standard for yourself. Stop settling for just getting by. Go all in on your passions and the life you were made for. I love you guys and talk to you soon. Because no one's born with all these skill sets, man. I mean, everyone can point to Steve Jobs. One of the greatest things he says, if you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream, right? Because ice cream sells people, make everyone happy. Uh, in, in leadership, you're going to offend some people, but you also get really good at trying to or realizing who doesn't agree with you. And you don't have to destroy that person. You can just say, Dave, we're going down this path. It seems like you don't want to go down it. That's fine. I wish you the best of luck. But this boat is leaving and I'm taking these people down here. Hopefully we'll see you on another shore, right? Or mm-hmm. something. And it doesn't have to be that that difficult if you guys can't align or agree. And how is there any is there any strategies you have for identifying, you know, the and I guess I don't know if I want to call them red flags, caution flags, anything when we talk like hiring process for people who are looking to bring on people, are are there things that people need to be aware of for uh for um and, and I don't know the the people that, you know, might be more combative, might be more, more challenging in a, in a negative way. Yeah. I say, um, we test a lot. We test for personalities. Uh, we test for skill sets. And so typically we'll test, you know, three different tests before someone even comes to the door. Um, it's not the most HR friendly way to do it. Right. But, uh, I, I would submit this to you. One bad hire can destroy your entire culture. Right. One bad hire can set you back a decade. Absolutely. Right. Um, And so in addition to testing, um, it's also those that are going to be working with that person, give them the power to interview. Right. We have not to everyone's happiness, but we have three to five hour interview sessions. Right. And so someone comes in and is like, okay, this is a half a day commitment to you to see if there's a fit. You're going to be interviewed by eight or 10 people. You're probably going to be asked the same question 10 times. Just be aware of that, right? Uh, That being said, we rarely lose people, right? So our employee retention is in the low 90s, 92, 93. And I'm talking over a 25-year span. Man, that's fantastic, right? So uh, hiring is – the recruiting process is equally as important as the re-recruiting process of keeping your current employees happy. So – and in terms of retention strategies, and, and I don't know the numbers on it, but I know, and I believe one of the highest, uh, you know, the feedbacks of, of what people are looking for as employees is one-on-one direct, you know, direct mentoring, direct supervision. Are what, what kind of retention strategies do you guys you guys use to keep employees happy, to keep them making making them feeling like they're making a difference, but also growing the way that you talked about earlier that people so desperately want to continue to grow. Yes. So you're thinking in terms of two things here. So uh, one, you might not want to re-recruit everyone, right? Maybe you, you, maybe a bad apple got through and it's best just to to part ways. And and there are many companies, I have several friends that run very large companies whose sole focus is to get rid of the bottom 10% of their uh, every year, just because they're not committed or engaged. Um, But we we look at it, or I look at it differently as re-recruiting our keepers. And we re-recruit the people we want to keep every single year, right? And you hit the nail on the head, it's one-on-one, right? Um, and, and making sure they're heard. But listen, everyone's after more income. I mean, that's a driver. That's why we do what we do, right? Well, those that are passionate about entrepreneurship, we do it for free. That's why people flock to us, right? Yep. But money does, you know, 
liquefy and lube everything to get <laughs> to go around, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's important. But people typically don't just leave for money. People leave companies because of bad bosses or not feeling like they're valued. Those are the two big reasons. Um, now, if it's a giant income and pay, yeah, they're, they're going to leave. But the majority of people leave, they don't feel valued, and they leave bad bosses and bad management. And so when someone leaves, you can't re-recruit your keepers if you don't do an exit interview. And I'll just excuse my French. I'll just say, what do we suck at? All right, just tell me what we suck at. Since you're leaving, you know you love to give me a big punch to the gut. I want this punch to the gut. G- give it to me, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So please, freely unload. It's invaluable, the feedback you would get, right? Um, when you lose two or three really to the same person's management style, or if it's your own time for deep reflection, um, then it lets you, you know, tweak that person's skill sets. You need to go get messaging uh, training, right? Uh, or uh, you need to manage on the other side of the keyboard and face-to-face, right? Because it comes across as aggressive the other way. So um, the, the short answer is re-recruit your keepers and maybe not everyone's worth keeping. Mm-hmm. That's really good, Jeff. And the, the recurring theme with that too is, is having those tough conversations even on the way out. I'm sure it's easier for people. The temptation is there to just say, well, they're gone. Like let's let's cut ties, like just move on to the next one and we'll, we'll get it better next time. But putting yourself out there and and opening up that, that door for, for that feedback and for that, that, what do we, what do we suck at? Where can we improve is, is probably a uncomfortable thing, but a necessary thing as well. Yeah. You both want to party. If you get, if you've left somewhere or someone leaves your employee that you're super happy with, you both want to party. Let's be honest, right? Can't wait to close the door. Can't wait till they're gone. Give me your badge. You can go, but, but you miss a good feedback piece, right? And if you're not open for continuous loop feedback, then you really don't know what's the pulse of your company, right? It's 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 a false sense of understanding that you have. Mm-hmm. If you really want to be a you know a, a good company, it doesn't have to be the biggest. But if you want to be the best, you need to understand the culture. Yeah, that's really good. Culture, by the way, that I uh, is is what happens when you're not in the business or in the room. That's the culture mm-hmm. of your company, right? When you aren't there, and the things that are done when you aren't there, that's your true culture, right? So for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good reminder for, for people. And, uh, you know, that, that applies to the, uh, you know, from the like productivity, what kind of work are you putting out to? If, if you have to be there for, for the needle to get pushed forward, if you have to be there for results to happen, that's, that's a problem. But if you're not there in conversations, the tone changes and the feel changes and everything too. That's a, I love that. Cause that's a good, uh, a good easy gauge of, of how your, how your company's culture is. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that, I love, uh, you know, I, I love talking on the, the employee side of things. Cause you know, that's, that's everyone's, everyone's goal is to, if they're not already at that point to, to get to that point where they can bring on some of those and step into more of that leadership role. But I want to circle back to something you said earlier too, about just when we talk customer service in general of, uh, having a, it sounds like you were saying having a system in place where a lot of people would say, Oh my, our customer service is, is good, or we invest a lot of time into it, but it sounds like I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people don't really have that clearly defined. Is that, can you speak a little more on that problem of, uh, having a, having a system in place, having a clearly defined process to know how you're, how you're actually doing in that area versus just, Oh, we're doing, we're doing good. Yeah. So there's a, I'll give you another quip, another saying, because as the books behind me attest to, I read a lot. Um, but so consensus odds are often, uh, I mean, consensus decisions are often at odds with intelligent ones, right? So groupthink 
is often horrible, right? Consensus decisions are at odds with smart ones or intelligent ones. And so, again, in that group thing, like you're talking about, do you give good customer service? Oh, we get fantastic customer service. By whose definition? Was there an intelligent design of the customer service experience? No, but it's my consensus. Well, that's at odds with the smart consensus, right? Because every McDonald's drive through employee says they give great customer service. Anybody raising your hand listening that's saying you got great customer service at McDonald's? No, no, rare, right? One rare diamond out of tens of thousands. And I'm not knocking them, right? They just haven't been given the skill set. Um, but when you have an, uh, an intelligent design and, 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 a, and a belief that this is how we're going to deliver it, right? Like no one will get through our drive through that's a dirty screen or a broken letter or a broken signing. There's not going to be cups and trash in our drive through mm-hmm. or even in your you know, a physical therapy business, right? There will be no sweaty, dirty kind of uh, equipment or whatever. And when you walk in, you're going to smell orange or vanilla or something fresh that doesn't smell like sweat, right? I mean, these are things that um, you all always have radar going off on you, whether you know it or not. Any business you walk on, you're judging it. And smell is one of the first things. That's why you want to you know, find out what your smell is and imbue that into your process. Find out what your vibe is and make sure that's the first thing you see. If you've got somebody that's got an ugly scowl on their face just by birth, by design, they might be friendly, but that's the first thing you see. They're not the first person to see. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just you got to move them. That might be the job they were hired for. But, you know, look, I, I'm not attractive. I don't want to be the first thing that people see when they walk in. Right. I mean, I can make up for it in, in joviality and confidence. But I'm not the first face you want to see in a business that would be out of business. All these things matter. Right. Is, is all I'm saying. And so if you don't intelligently design the experience that you want as a business owner, then it's going to be left to what they think is good customer service. And that's going to be at odds with what real customer service is, right? Mm -hmm. So this next statement is absolutely true. People are driven to distraction, right? So few people are focused on engaging and bettering themselves or whatever. They're driven, driven to the next website, the next scroll, the next social media app, the next post, the next tweet. Whatever it is, we are all driven to distraction. And so their distraction means that they're giving your customers the best experience that they know how, right? You have to redirect them and say, this is the only customer service experience we're trying to deliver. And so uh, this stuff's easy to go to sleep over, but uh, for those businesses that that take it to heart, I mean, it's just a wow factor, right? Mm -hmm. Um, um, We, and I'm not trying to push our business, but we have, you know, tens of thousands of customers, policyholders, and we do very little advertising. So people say, well, how do you, you do that? And we use just a, a four-letter thing. It's called POM, P-W-O-M, and it's positive word of mouth. That's how people find out about us. And you think, oh, what a what a silly uh, uh, marketing message. No, because if you get everything right, they can't wait to hang up the phone or leave your website and tell other people about you. And so that's what business owners have to think about. Uh, that's my message for them anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, so many people, you know, if you ask the majority of business owners out there, where do you get referrals from? I'm sure a large percentage would say, Oh, well, word of mouth. And people do this, like people, you know, people referring to other people, friends, family, word of mouth is, is, you know, a popular response, but how many people do you see actually like having a process or having something to, you know, to make sure that they're getting more of that? Because if you're just letting word of mouth happen, like if, if you do good work, 
you would hope that that people are going to you know occasionally send people but how do you accelerate that how do you actually form a, a strategy around that to like it sounds like you've done of of actually you know building that versus just kind of passively hoping people are sent your way yeah uh like anything in business what gets measured gets done right if you're not measuring it your people aren't focused on it because they're driven to distraction, right? Mm. So what gets measured gets done. And so at the at the beginning or the salutation, end of every phone call, how did you find out about us specifically? Because I want to reward that person. We want to send them a Starbucks gift card. We want to say thank you. And so when you start measuring that, it starts getting tracked and it starts getting done. Um, mm. and now you have to commit financial resources to it, but you're going to f- commit financial resources to marketing anyway. And this, you know, for sure, because a referral is a lay down or a layup in basketball. It's a done deal generally, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you have to really do something egregious if their best friend referred them to you and they don't become a client, right? Then the problem is you, not them, right? <laughs> so yep. at least you know. And so, uh, yeah, what gets measured gets done and you just have to work uh, your processes around measuring it all. Mm-hmm. That's really good. And uh, the, the other question I had along with customer service, when you, when you talk about, you know, sites and smells and the first person they see and all these things, how, how is a, you know, a business owner, a manager, someone in this situation, how do you, how do you look at your business with, with fresh eyes, with a fresh perspective? Cause I think we, you know, at least in our business, we can assume, we assume certain things because we see it as, as we know it to be, but that's not necessarily what our, what our customers are seeing. That's not necessarily what our new clients are seeing. What are some, some ways that you can get a, you know, a fresh look to really get an unbiased view of, of what your customer experience is or your, your client journey? Yeah. I love this question um, because I still want to answer so quick. Right. But uh, <laughs> um, there's two ways to do it. There's others, but the two that we use is, um, when you're most of the times when you exit your car and you're walking into your business pre-pandemic, right? right. <laughs> um, um, your mind is consumed with your to-do list or avoiding something or getting something done. You put the key card up or you turn the lock and you're not even thinking about what you're walking across that threshold. And uh, our counsel guidance would be just suspend everything for a moment. Act like you're a customer. And the minute that door opens, what do you see? Is it dust on the floor? Is it, you know, is it a dirty place, right? If there's a screen between you and the customers, is it dirty and spit-filled, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just uh, full of uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, what's the smell like, right? Because that's the sensory thing. The eyes is just one part of it. You're feeling, smelling, hearing what's going on. What is that like? Well, if you're so engaged in your to-do list and thinking you're missing that, and then it so the, the best thing is just to spend everything going on in your mind, walk in like a customer. Um, and, and, and then another one is, I want to get to this back, another point, sorry, Dave, but another thing we try to do all the time, or I do all the time, is I would call our call centers and see how long I'm on hold, right? Mm-hmm. From, from blocked numbers, because I don't want them changing the behavior just because it's Jeff Arnold on the phone, right? So call from a blocked number, like, all right, you hit all five benchmarks on the greeting. Great, thank you. Have a nice day. Go to the next call, right? So do the same, right? Become a customer at your business if you can. Uh, I often will buy stuff from us um, uh, anonymously too, just to see how the fulfillment went. And then the other piece is go to your competitors, right? Somebody somewhere has more time, is younger or smarter, and is beating you at your own game, right? Just like 
some kid somewhere is tinkering with the idea in his computer in his room and he's going to disrupt the, the Bitcoin industry or the insurance or the banking. He's going to everything, right? And so go into your competitors. Who cares if they know it's you? Spend money, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just go in to see um, and, and have dialogue with them. But see how others are doing it um, because you could have gotten sloppy, right? Or not thought of it in that way, but also suspend everything you're going on in your mind and walk into your door as a customer. So my answers are getting longer, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it, Jeff. It's been so good too. I love the, uh, you know, talking, you know, talking things on employees and hiring and training and the systems and the, the customer experience. And I'm, I'm, I'm already soaking up a lot and, and taking some notes down. So uh, lo- love your, love your knowledge on that. And as we start to wrap up here, one, you know, a, a little more of a you know personal question, especially for, you know, listeners, we try and be as, as real as we can here of, of someone like yourself, who's seen you know so much business success. Uh, and we talk about the, uh, you know, the onset of this, this episode of, of entrepreneurship is a challenging journey and, and it can be hard. And sometimes though, it's easy to look from the outside and see someone who's experienced business success and experienced these things. And, uh, you know, it's the, the unfortunate myth out there with social media, with all these things is that it's, it's come easy and that it's been without challenges and it's, uh, you know, been this smooth journey, but if you don't, if you don't mind being you know open about, uh, what's, what's been a major challenge either recently or something earlier on that can, uh, you know, maybe encourage listeners that you've run into from, from a business side of things, from a personal side of things, some insight you can give, give listeners for the, uh, the journey that might look smooth, but we, we all, we know that it's, yeah. it's not really the case. Yeah, so I have failed way more times than I've succeeded, right? And been curled up in a ball um, many, many times crying at 30 and 40 years old going, dear Lord, how, how can I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, and not to plug my book, but my first book, The Art of the Insurance Deal, I talk about how after I sold my company to a bank, uh, I, I, my identity was gone, right? I run the company so long, your identity has gone. <clears throat> and then I ended up running a large, um, several divisions for them and, it went bankrupt, literally mid-2007 in the crash. <clears throat> you think that would be enough, but I'm not making these numbers up. I turned around and got sued for $1 billion, right? You can't make this up. Um, if you ever want to know what uh, uh, a dark, lonely place the world can be, get sued for a billion dollars and wondering what's going to happen to your four kids and your wife and your house. Anyway, it's it's all-consuming right? For, for two years. And so... Um, I talk a lot about it in the art of insurance deal, but that was a very tough one to get over, right? And then um, later, um, there was, a, I think a lot of men can identify with this. I'm not trying to be sexist, but uh, I grew up, I think we said in the beginning in, in Kentucky, so I didn't have a real formal uh, college education as a, as a uh, junior college kind of education. And so when I'm working in um, you know, some large companies with five, six, 7,000 employees, I'm working alongside Ivy League degree guys, I'm mm. working alongside, you know, just top of your class kind of people. Um, and you can second guess everything that you know. Uh, but it turns out we're hitting a lot more home runs than they are, right? right. <laughs> but but when you're in there, there's a, a, there's a real time where you second guess everything. And so if you can't be your biggest cheerleader, who's going to be, right? So you got to find, you got to dig deep into that belly and, uh, um, and, and motivate yourself because I can tell you this, you will know failure and you will know failure more than you want to know it, but you have to keep on keeping on because mm-hmm. um, that's what differentiates the winners from the losers, right? Fall down seven, get up eight. So. Yeah. 
fall down 7,000, get up. <laughs> that's probably, that's probably a more accurate number, but no, I appreciate you sharing that, Jeff. That's, that's great. I've, uh, I've loved our talk. Where can, uh, where can people, you know, find you, reach out to you, reach out to your business, your books, uh, where, where, uh, where can people get in contact with you? Yeah. The easiest was my personal website, uh, jeffarnold.com. That's J E F F A R N O L D.com. And, uh, I, you know, I post uh, articles there once a quarter and then two of my books are up there now. One will be up there later, but uh, happy to engage with any of your listeners. I, I have truly enjoyed this. Yes. Thanks so much, Jeff. And I know that no, the listeners will get a lot out of it, especially those. And, and not just, uh, you know, we, I know we talk a lot on, on business today, but these things can all be applied, you know, to our personal lives as well. And I think that's a, you know, important, important point to end on is I know not everyone being in, being in business for themselves necessarily, but these are principles that asking for feedback and being able to have that open environment is, is going to be good in your family, with your children, with, with spouse, with significant others. So thanks so much for sharing all that, Jeff, and uh, really appreciate our time here today. Same. Thank you. Thanks for listening in today, guys. I'm believing that even if you apply one thing from today's show, you're taking one step closer to living as the man you were made to be. Meaningful change doesn't happen overnight. So keep showing up and keep consistent every single day until good things start to happen. If you haven't already, taking 60 seconds to write a review on whatever platform you're listening on goes a long way in growing this podcast and reaching other men just like you that are hungry for more in their life. If you have any questions on today's show, feedback, or content you want to see more of, shoot me a text. Yep, text me, 760-477-4361. That's 760-477-4361. Let me know that you're listening in so I can personally thank you for your support of myself and the show. That's it for today, guys. It's time to raise your standard for yourself. Stop settling for just getting by. Go all in on your passions and the life you were made for. I love you guys and talk to you soon.